Let us pray. Thank you for food that we can eat every day. And Lord, thank you for all the spiritual gifts you give us too. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for hope. Thank you for your love. And Father, as we bring ourselves to you, we bring you our money and we ask that you use it to spread your word further. We bring our hearts and our hands and ask that you will use us at the same time. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. Amen. We trust you already warm and welcome, and we feel welcome. Any visitors besides Leah? Right, so first, first things first, the, the, the concert at Retire. So there's been a couple of things that we've said to people as old as Robbie that you can't be part of. So you can't come to Holiday Club and that kind of thing. But Robbie, this you can go to, okay? This is for senior citizens. Um, so those folk who want to go to that, please let the office know so we can book a slot for you. Um, seniors, sorry, Robbie, you can go to this thing, okay? Folks like you. Yeah, at last. All right, so senior citizens, if you know folk who want to go to that, please let us know so we can book a slot for them. There are limited seats. And then anybody, particularly teens, who want to help with serving soup on the 22nd, that's the, their, fifth, their two shows, but the second one, um, we, we're going to be serving soup and, and blessing the seniors there. So please volunteer with Alex or, or Bronwyn for that. Then life groups. So we know, those of us who've been around the church for a while, know that the place where you grow the most, where you experience God um, and, and learn together with others about how to trust Him and follow Him, and Jesus, and we're talking a lot about that this morning, is life groups, small groups. And so we want to invite you to, to, if you're not in a life group, to join us on Wednesday, the 26th of July. We're going to start a whole life group series um, here on a Wednesday evening, 6.30 to 8. We, we'll start at 6.30. We will finish by 8 so that you can get home to family and settle them. Um, and it's going to be an awesome time of learning and growing together. We will be um, listening to some incredible teaching by the staff here at MMC and then be discussing that in small groups here at the church. So we hope you'll join us. If you want to grow, if you want to kind of walk, get a little further in your spiritual journey, we really encourage you to be here uh, particularly uh, on Wednesday the 26th, but Wednesdays from then onwards. We'll talk more about that pretty much every week um, leading through now through to the end of um, July and August. So hope you'll join us for that. Then in our prayer time, one of the things we, we invite you to do, if you, if you have a need, if you're, if you're struggling with something, if you're worried about something, um, we're going to invite you in a moment just simply to stand where you are, not because we want to draw attention to you, but, but in standing, we affirm that we trust God to be with us. So if you have a need, we invite you to stand as we pray together and we will pray with you. Uh, or, or you may be concerned about somebody, a family member, a friend um, who's, who's maybe far away, um, even in, a, in another country. Um, and so we invite you to stand in proxy for them as we pray together, trusting that God's goodness and his faithfulness and his promises are true for them as well as for us. Let us pray. This morning, Lord, we've, we've sung of your goodness and your faithfulness and your promises. We thank you that we know that that is true. That is who you are. You are a faithful, promising God. You promise to be with us. You promise to help us. And you are faithful to your promises. And so as we come together, Lord, we... we 
we affirm that our faith is in you. Whether we're standing or sitting, our faith is in you alone. And, and we pray that you would, you would be with us in, in the needs that we have, whether we're standing or sitting. That you would give to us that which we need. That you would touch our lives. That you would enable us to, to know with, with certainty because of who you are and what you promised, that you are with us now and be with us from here onwards. Would you touch us, heal us maybe, strengthen us, give us courage, give us hope, remind us of your presence. So that even those things that have kept us awake at night, even those things that have disturbed us, uh, made us anxious, um, caused us to worry, that even those things you have in your hand, you're at work. And then, Lord, there are friends and family members and loved ones that, if, whose, whose burden we carry almost as our own. Some are in hospital, some are at home, some are far away, some are struggling with, with deep and profound issues. And so as we stand before you, as we even sit, we pray that you would touch them, that you would give to them the grace and the power and the strength and the hope that they need. Will you strengthen and heal them too? We think of those who we pray for a weekly, those on our prayer list. We, we pray for Lauren, so far away, for Carmen uh, in hospital, hopefully coming home today, for Debbie recovering after her op, and also Jonathan and Rolf, and John, and Tia, Phyllis. Will you touch their lives? Pray for Thalia and the baby in, in these last few months of the pregnancy. Bless her, strengthen her. And we thank you, Lord, that, that we, we see often with our own eyes the amazing answers to our prayers. And we thank you for Holiday Club and the way in which you touch the lives of children here. May we continue to minister to them in profound and powerful ways. Then, Lord, we pray for our country. Again, we, we pray that you would give courage and strength to those who speak truth and bring light in dark places. Would you protect them? Would you send your angels to God over them? May they know that you are with them, and may what they do and say bring light and hope and truth to bear. And, Lord, for those who, who are doing that which is wrong and, and even evil, we, we can do nothing but simply commend, commit them to you. You are a good, just, righteous, truth-loving God. And so we say to you, Lord God, you deal with them. For we'd get it wrong if we try. You deal with them. And would you bless our nation, change the hearts. Where we interact with others, where we... We see things that, that need attention. Help us. Remind us that, 
that we are the ones that you are calling to make a difference in our land. So use us every day. Be with us every day. Remind us of your promises that are true for us every day. So we pray these prayers with the prayers of our hearts in the name of Jesus. And together God's people say, Amen. Girls, you can open your activity packs. Moms and dads, don't steal these sweets. Um, <laughs> you've got to be in primary school or below to get one of those sweeties. Well, if, sorry, Jim. You can't go to the old age home thing and get sweets. It's like something in between. Anyway. Um, so, friends, this morning, the topic of my sermon is the conundrum of Romans 7. And those of you who know me know that I like to know what words mean and I like to play with words. And we look in the dictionary and it tells us that the definition of a conundrum is a confusing and difficult problem or question. Anybody dealing with anything in their life right now which would qualify as a conundrum? Confusing, difficult question or problem. Sometimes these things we just can't get our heads around. And that's what the conundrum is. We'll be looking at Romans 7 a little bit later. And then there's a picture. Simon, if we can have that. This is a conundrum. If you look carefully, the steps are going down. And then they're going down. And then they're going down. And they're going down. And they're going down. Hey, weird. And I think in some museum somewhere, there's probably a physical version of this. This is a conundrum. It's something that breaks our heads a little. And we don't understand. And we try and figure out and we kind of think, well, maybe because it's on a slope or maybe, you know, we're looking from the wrong side or if we look from a different angle. But at the same time, we look at this and we think, I don't know what's going on. Friends, that's a conundrum. So if you don't know what the word means, just remember that thing and how we don't understand it ever. Um, and that's what a conundrum is. We've spent the last few weeks looking at the series of Life in the Spirit. And we've been working our way through the book of Romans. If you really feel like something meaty to to read when you've got a bit of time, Romans is exactly the book for you. We've been exploring Paul's letters to the Romans where he looks at what it means to live by the Spirit. We started off by looking at being called into this relationship with Jesus. It's not just something that happens by osmosis. We get called into this relationship and we respond to him in that way. We looked at how we can teach our children. On Father's Day, we looked at how we can teach our children to hope and to trust in God. We've looked at the process of change, of becoming somebody different and somebody new because of what the Spirit does for us. And last week we looked at how we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. Sin doesn't own us, but God owns us. And so today we're going to carry on with the book of Romans in chapter 7 and look at how this conundrum of living life as a Christ follower, but then also living in this world we live in and how the two of them don't always work well. And how we mess up. A conundrum has no simple answer. Wouldn't it be nice if there was just a simple answer to everything, hey? Moms and dads, it's pretty simple when they're little, hey? Now ask you, why is the sky blue? And my husband always took the, the route of giving them very scientific answers. It was about refraction of light and it was about colors and all these things. And eventually they would stop asking because he just like threw science at them, you know? So they would ask daddy questions and get these scientific answers and eventually they would stop asking. Um, sometimes conundrums can be ethical dilemmas. 
maybe there's something you're dealing with. You're not quite sure what the right way to do it is. You know, something seems right, but actually it also feels wrong or feels right and seems wrong. You know, we deal with those conundrums. They can be scientific problems. There are many, you know, my father-in-law was a professor and he always says science is an exact thing until somebody disproves it and proves something else. <laughs> so even science can't really be trusted because somebody could do more experiments and more research and figure something else out. But they can also be faith challenges. And that's what we're dealing with today. I wish we had an easy all-in-one answer, but we don't. So we're going to start today by reading with Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. And I'm reading from the message translation, and you'll see why. Um, it might sound a bit different to what you're accustomed to, but just listen. It's still the heart of the same, of the same verse. Reading from verse 14, it says this. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is I decide one way, but then I act in another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, becomes obvious that God's commands are necessary. But I need something more, for I know the law but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, then I do it anyway. My decisions, as such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly, parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. These are the words from our scriptures today, and we could spend an entire series looking at them, but we're just going to have a little look this morning. There are clearly two issues here. The issues are quite simple. The one thing is I do the things that I don't want to do, and the second one is I don't do the things that I do want to do. Sounds simple, but I don't think it is. They're intertwined and they're part of the same conundrum. But for right now, I'm going to split the two of them just for a little bit for us to understand better. With the first one, I do the things I don't want to do. I know what God expects of me. I think I have a fair idea. I think we kind of know when we're doing the right and wrong things. I want to do my best for him. I want to be better. I want to live 100% as a Christ follower. I really, really do. But, and that but just comes and, and shakes everything around. What is it that really happens in my life? I do things that I know are not right. Why is that? It seems stupid. We know the right answer and we still carry on doing the wrong thing. Why do we turn away from what we know God wants? And friends, sometimes we turn away just for a moment and we can quickly get ourselves back on track. Sometimes we spend an entire day just doing, I'm not doing whatever I should be, I want to do what I want to do. And we spend an whole day doing it. Sometimes there's a situation 
that we don't want to involve God in. And so we keep him out of that entire situation or relationship that we're dealing with. The thing is, friends, we basically ignore him. We sometimes ignore what we know about God's love. And our response is doing what? We do what we know we should not. So what are some of the ways that we ignore this amazing gift of love that God gives us? I'm just going to add a little side thing now. I'm not here to have anybody feel that you need to judge yourself. We all do this. Every single one of us sitting here, from the youngest to the oldest, I'm not going to decide who's who, um, from the youngest to the oldest, we all do this. We make these mistakes. So this is not meant for you to look at yourself and judge yourself, but maybe just to be more aware the next time you find yourself in this situation. There's some little light goes on. Ah, that's what we were talking about. So this is just to make you more aware. The first way we ignore God is through absolute ignorance. If we don't know what God's word said, then how can we follow what we need to do? And then how can we claim his promises for ourselves if we don't know what they are? We can always say, well, I didn't know the Bible said that, but I don't think that's an excuse we can use anymore. We all have Bibles, we have friends, we have sermons, we have scriptures. I think it's up to us to make better use of those and figure out what it is God wants us to do. And how do we claim his promises if we don't know what they are? Anybody here going to be 18 in the next year or two? Okay. All right. Anybody have kids that are going to be 18 in the next year or two? There we go. All right. I'm glad to see some of the same people are sitting in the same place. It's like this, friends. It's like having a brand new Ferrari. Your mom buys you a Ferrari or your dad, I guess. Dad probably pays for it. Mom has to sort out what color. It'll be red. Um, mom has to go and buy you a Ferrari and it's for your 18th birthday and they get it ready and they put it in the garage and it's waiting there. The door's closed. It's right there. And then they write you this beautiful note and put it on your desk. And you wake up on your birthday and you see this note and you think, oh no, and you carry on. You catch the bus to school. You ride your bicycle. You get a lift with your friends just because you forgot to read that letter. You don't even know that Ferrari's there because you haven't read that letter. That's how amazing the life is that God offers you. And if you don't figure it out and find where it tells you in the scriptures what it's about, it's like having a Ferrari in the garage waiting and you don't know about it. There's a little song we sing with the Sunday school and it says, I'm going to take God's promises and hide them in my heart. And on Holiday Club this last two weeks, three weeks ago, um, the children were learning memory verses. And let me tell you, they were pretty sharp. I think they got sweets at the end. Sugar is a great motivator. But they were remembering a different verse every day for five days. So after your kids have come on holiday club, and I know the leaders also learned the verse. The teenagers were the most amazing leaders on this holiday club. They also learned the verses. That's five more verses that these kids have that they can keep in their hearts for when they need them. So friends, as adults, can we not do that too? Can we not take God's word and his promises and keep them in our hearts that we can use them when we need them. The other thing that we do in terms of ignoring God is that we want to be in control. Anybody here a control freak? Okay, who's not owning up? Husbands, you can out your wives. Wives, you can out your husbands. Hey, how many of us like to know what's happening next? How many of us like to be in control of what's happening next? All the mom's hands go up, hey, come on. <laughs> hey? It's the nature of, of our human condition is we want to be in charge of what happens. 
But friends, we need to learn to trust God for what we need and not just our own strengths and abilities. Every person in this room is gifted, is confident, has strengths, has skills, has abilities, and can probably solve a lot of their own problems. But that's not what God had in mind for us. None of us is so self-sufficient that we don't need God's help. doesn't matter how skilled you are in solving problems in the world, we still need God's help with us. We don't have all the answers. We need to trust God for our happiness. I'm going to say that again. We need to trust God for our happiness. We trust other people for our happiness. We trust our situation. We trust our finances. We trust where we live. We trust what we do for our own happiness. But if you want that joy that only God can give, he's the only one that can give it to us. We need to trust him with our needs. And those needs for some of us here might not be, you know, a, a meal at the end of the day. They're not that basic. For some of us, they are. Our needs might be some relationship that needs healing. It might be a situation with somebody at work we need to sort out. It might need an understanding of what God needs for me in the situation to come. We need to trust God with all of our needs and not just with the added extras that we think he can provide us for. We don't have the answers. We can trust God for our future. Isn't it wonderful to know that as life goes on, God is already there? We don't all know what's going to happen in the next week or the next year or the next five years for that bunch sitting in the back there. You know, the next five years are kind of a big, wide open space. But that's cool because God's there already and he's waiting for you. He's going to be there in front of you. He's going to be there next to you. He's going to be there behind you. He's going to be right with you. He's already there. We can trust God for our future. And when you start thinking your future is uncertain, it's okay. God's there already and he knows what's coming. And then sometimes... We ignore God's love because we don't really believe that God is real. We kind of sit here and we think, yeah, that's lovely, but mm, probably not for me. I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. I'm not the kind of person that I think God can use. So really, probably not for me because I don't deserve to live in this way. Friends, none of us do. None of us have done anything to deserve God's love. That's what grace is all about. He loves us anyway. It's the whole point. And if you want proof of that love, just think back a little bit. Some of us can think back a little further than others. But just think back a little bit to when you remember a time that God was with you and you knew that you knew that you knew that God was with you. Anybody remember times like that? Have you got some in your head? Okay. Remember that because that is real. And God was there and he was with you. And even if it feels like you're far away right now, you go back to that place. It gives you hope. And once you have hope, you've got courage. And then you can move forward because then we're going the direction that God wants us to be. So don't let anyone tell you that you're not good enough for God's love. He loves you anyway. And then we deal with pressure from friends and family. And I'm going to say it very clearly. Pressure, peer pressure is not just a thing for teenagers. Peer pressure happens among adults. You know, you check what the guy next door is driving. You're like, hmm, I wonder if my car's nicer. Or you see how nice their grass is growing. And you think, well, they don't have dogs like mine. But, um, <laughs> you know, maybe their grass, I can do something better with my grass. If you go to work and you see the, the person next to you arrives in a nicer car than you, you think, oh, I wonder how that happened. We keep on evaluating ourselves against each other. And that's all peer pressure is. 
taking everybody else's opinions into account when we're trying to figure out what's going on. We can hear lots of views and opinions about God and Christianity, and the internet is full of some weird stuff. There's some TikToks, there's some YouTube videos, there's some weird stuff on the internet. Some of it has to do with God, and some of it is a very roundabout way of not having to do with God. But we kind of get stuck there. So if you're searching, if you're listening, if you're watching, remember always to ask God to guide you and to speak to you. He will speak to you, and his voice will be clear. You've just got to listen for it. And if you're not sure if something you're listening to is from him, speak to a friend, speak to a pastor, speak to a parent, and figure it out. And most likely it will be confirmed in, in verses of scripture for you. So don't get blocked out and, and kind of put away from things by all the noise in the, in the internet. Just ask God to speak to you. We can also have lots of views and opinions from family members. Anybody got that like weird uncle that's always been listening to some fire and brimstone person that's doing something weird? It happens. It happens all the time. Okay. Ray's not that weird uncle, Elzira. You're not pointing fingers now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But there's a lot of people that have opinions and they tend to influence us. We can be influenced from our friends. It seems to be the cool thing to go to this place or do that thing or pray for this or pray for that. And then there's the media, which I've spoken about. But always, always, always just listen for God's voice. In all the noise, find God's voice. It's there and it will speak to you. Listen and you will hear him. So now that we have looked at what we do when we ignore God, how can we be better at paying attention to, to the Spirit of God within us? Friends, none of us have got enough self-control and self-motivation and determination to make the right decisions every single time we need to make a decision. Nobody has that much willpower. We think we do. We think we're in control, but we're not. We're not strong enough on our own to always be able to make the right choice. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and prompt us. And it's not just for an hour on a Sunday. We need the Holy Spirit every day, every hour, every decision. We need to constantly be asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us where we're going. Paul puts it so well when he says in this message translation that if we can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself, and to do what's best for me, then I obviously need God's help. Sometimes we think we're in control, but friends, if we get to that place of saying, I can't figure this out, I need help, that's exactly what Paul is speaking about. And we will only know God's commands if we spend time in the scriptures. I know the Bible gets hard to read sometimes, but find a way, even if it's a couple of verses a day, even if it's a, a book that you're speaking to friends about, Come and join us for life at, what's it, life at MMC? Yeah, where we start looking in small groups at discussing what the Bible scriptures say to us. Find a way to discover these things. And if you have to find an, a creative way of doing it, let's do that as well. If we learn to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in every situation, okay, not just situations that seem to be church or God situations, but every situation, if we're listening for that prompting, if we're listening for that guidance, then God will be with us. How many of us in our lives have got little boxes? Huh? There's the church box, there's the work box, there's the gym box, there's the, the home box, there's the children box, there's the in-laws and outlaws box, you know those boxes? 
Huh? We have these boxes and we deal with people according to the box that they're in. But God doesn't see us like that. We're not these fractured people. We're just one person. And so God comes with you in every situation. So why not ask for his help and his guidance there too? Our actions become more aligned with God's way of life when we're conscious of his love and his grace and when we act in response to his love. We don't behave well to earn God's love. Nobody can behave well enough to earn what God gives us. He gives it to us freely. That is his grace. We cannot earn it. And because we can't earn it, we can stop trying to earn it. So when you're busy doing the things you shouldn't do or not doing the things you should do, that is the time when we bring that to God and we say, we don't know what to do next and he will help you. It takes that willpower part away from us. And what we do is always in response to God's love, not to earn God's love. We cannot earn his love, but we can act in response to his love. Right. And that takes that willpower part away from us and brings us closer to what we need to do. If we're trying just to be really good and behave really well, it's a lot of stress. But when in that constant relationship and communication with God and the Holy Spirit, it becomes a daily way of life. And this is where the second part of the conundrum comes into play. It's similar, excuse me, but it's not exactly the same. Sin keeps on trying to derail us from, what, from the good that God wants us to do. And we want to do good things. None of, nobody, I hope, is sitting here actively planning their next sin. Eh? We don't do it on purpose. <laughs> it's going to happen. But we're not doing it on purpose. Nobody's actively planning and plotting to do bad things. We all want to do the right things. That's who we are. But then why does it feel so difficult to get it right? Why is it so hard when you get out and you're going to go on the road and there's some idiot who's going to do something stupid on the road and there it goes, out the window? Huh? Why is it so hard? Who here has ever really had good intentions? New Year's resolutions, huh? We're going to gym. Kids, we're going to study every afternoon for two hours. So when the exam comes, we're sorted. Ever thought like that? I had a brother who did that. It's weird. But, um, you know, we, we make all these resolutions. We're going to join the gym. We're going to be better people. We're going to read three chapters of the Bible every night. We're going to be a better person. We're only going to eat, you know, fruit and vegetables and all of these things. And what happens to those resolutions? They dissolve. <laughs> okay. We just can't follow through. It's our human nature. And some people are better than others and they can follow through for a while. But often we just can't seem to follow through. Paul is touching on a subject that we all know well, this inability to follow through. God's love and grace are a powerful force in my life, and yet so often sin manages to sabotage my best intentions. Sin will put obstacles in our way, and sometimes they will be huge, big, obvious obstacles. That we walk into an obstacle and we think, oh, well, obviously this is not God's way, and we can turn around and go around. Some of us are more experiential learners. We'll look at the obstacle, give it a try, see what happens, and then we'll decide it's not from God. But those big obvious obstacles are there. But sometimes they're just teeny tiny little obstacles. They just throw us off course. I'm just going to do this once. I'm just going to look at that internet site just once, just in case. And I'm just going to not answer that one message from a friend, even if it upsets them. We just do little things that throw us off course. 
Sometimes obstacles look like good ideas. Hey, oh, that looks nice. I'm sure that'll be a good idea. And when we work in the church, and when we are as a church family, sometimes things are good ideas. Nobody really comes to church with terrible, horrible, evil ideas. Most people have good ideas. But we don't spend the time discerning whether it's the best idea for what we need to do at the moment. There are obstacles that appeal to our human nature. Have you ever been to exclusive books and they've got the self-help section? Okay, New Teenager in a Week. Moms, anybody read that book? I read The New Teenager in a Week. Didn't look like it was going to make sense, so I didn't even buy The New Husband in a Week. I figured that was too late for that. But there's so many self-help books, so we don't help ourselves by reading them. Because, friends, there's nothing inside of me that's going to make it work. It's only God that will help me to solve those situations. But those obstacles appeal to us. And sometimes there are temptations, and this is the dangerous part, that we don't even recognize anymore. Things that we just do so often, we have justified for ourselves in our minds, and it's just the way it is. It's just who we are. We'll tell people it's part of my personality, so that's just how I behave. Do you see how those obstacles can come? Huge big boulders and just tiny little stones in your shoes that just take you off track. And those are what make it difficult. So what do we do? What can we do to make this work? How do we get to that point where we actually do the things we want to do? The first thing we need to do is to draw close to the Holy Spirit often each day. We draw our strength from Christ, not from ourselves, but we draw our strength from Christ. We don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. I'm not strong enough. I need help. And that's what Paul is saying here as well. He's kind of saying, I'm not getting this right. I need help. Somebody help me are the words he actually used. So if you're feeling like you're not getting it right and you need help, this is a good place to be. If Paul, who was an amazing theologian, needed help, how much more do you and I need help today? And friends, it's not just a theoretical conversation. This is a daily struggle. It's a battle between life and death, between living as a Christ follower and sinning. You can't do both. We need to be following the one. For us, the good news is that Jesus won that battle on the cross. Jesus is not wondering who's going to win in this battle of good and evil. He won already. He's been there and done that. And it's just for us to come alongside him and live as those people who can stand up tall and strong and confident because the God that we serve is the one that already beat sin many, many years ago. Our challenge is figuring out how to live each moment, each decision, each situation, each choice as children of God who know that this battle has been won. So unfortunately, like any conundrum, and earlier after the first service, um, somebody called their wife their little conundrum, um, so, <laughs> guys, be careful. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's this confusing, this confusing thing that we're dealing with. Like any conundrum, there is no easy answer. But we can start right now living as Christ followers. We can be attentive to the Holy Spirit. We can discover this God that we serve in the scriptures and who can look at this conundrum every day. And he's not worried about it. He knows the answer. And he's going to help us figure it out. And as he guides us through each moment, just remember that he does this with love and with grace and not with judgment. Let's pray.
Father God, thank you that you are the one. You're the one who sees the situation we are in. You're the one who knows the conundrums we are dealing with. And you are the one who has the answers. Help us, Lord, to be attentive to your voice and to the prompting of your Holy Spirit every day. And thank you, Father, so much that you love us, you forgive us, and you want the best for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.